Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Christopher Dedian, who's the owner of Dedian Enterprises Incorporated and also the podcast host of the Peak Performance Greatness Show. You got to find out more if you've been looking to attain peak performance in your life as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, and really achieve those amazing results you've always wanted to. You got to check out more from ChristopherDedian.com. Also check out the podcast on any podcast platform. And lastly, you can find out more on what Christopher thinks and talks about on his YouTube channel. All of that's going to be linked in this episode below. Stay tuned. Let's level up our performance. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Hope you're doing well today. I hope you're enjoying your week. And you've tuned into a podcast that's aiming to give you that good advice you need to actually grow and scale your business. Now, if you've been in the entrepreneurial game for a while, you know how exhausting it is, how tiring it can be, and how once you get into this thing, man, it's a heck of a lot different than what we see on social media. Uh, and, uh, man, this is the real work here. This you're, you're working hard, you're making it happen. And Hey, while you're, while you're growing your business, you might also be thinking about those days where you don't quite have the pep in your step, you know, those days, maybe even not just days, but like those weeks or even months where you just don't feel like you're operating at the level that you know, you're capable of, or you're thinking about times in your life where, you know, all cylinders were operating at, you know, full capacity, uh, or however you say it, obviously I don't know a lot about cars, but you know you were you were getting it going you were making it happen and you know those seasons where you don't quite have the performance you need well, we're talking about that today if you are a business owner an entrepreneur and you're looking to go to the next level to have that peak performance we're sitting down with Christopher Dedian today who really works in this field. He also has a podcast of his own, which, heck, what are you doing, guys? You got to click pause here and go check out the podcast stuff that he's doing. But we're going to be talking about becoming your best self, really having that peak performance. And more importantly, whatever challenges you're facing, how do you really overcome those? In fact, break through those and continue to perform at the level you're desiring. Chris, hey, brother, it's great to have you on the show here today. Blake, my brother, thank you very much for that. Really looking forward to having this great conversation with the intro that you just gave. So definitely uh, let's jump into it and get some value to your audience. Well, you know, the most important things first, you got a great beard. So I think it's always, you know, from, from man to man, it's always great. You gotta, you gotta give props where it's due, you know? <laughs> so I appreciate that. Another beard man giving it back. I appreciate yeah. it yours as well, brother. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, obviously I gave kind of my spiel on what we're doing here today. I'd love to give you a couple of seconds. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing. Um, obviously they can be pulling up ChristopherDedian.com uh, to find out more, but give us a little bit more information about who you are and what you do. 
Yes, 100%. So like you mentioned, uh, I am a professional speaker and a peak performance business and life coach. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Dead End Enterprises, which is a company that helps any CEO that really wants to go to that next level in their personal development and in their business. And the vehicles that we use to do so, like mentioned, is through professional speaking, consulting, coaching. Uh, we have a podcast agency that we book phenomenal people that want to get their information and their uh, product services out there, as well as we're coming along with our academy uh, very shortly in that regard. So anywhere that we could help these entrepreneurs that have started succeeding, but really have potentially hit a plateau, maybe started hiring people. And then we're like, oh my God, what do I do? How do I deal with people? How do I grow financially right. even more than where I'm at while having a balanced life in every area? They usually come and see me to really get them to that level with certain tweaks and methodologies and habits and rituals that we utilize on a daily basis to be high-performing individuals. Yeah, you know, I think about the life of an entrepreneur and I instantly go to like those 50, 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. I had a guy who I was talking to who we were counting up the hours of his last two weeks and he had done 145 hours for his business in two weeks. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's, let's unpack that right now. So here's the thing. There, is, there was such a misconception the last several years in the entrepreneur world with the hustle culture, with right. the grind culture, with the like, don't sleep, sleep well you, when you die. All of that is BS. Okay. And when I'm talking about BS, I'm not swearing here because my mom would not be proud. I'm talking about your belief <laughs> systems. Okay. There's research that has been shown time and time again, that the most efficient amount of hours you can work and still be creative and put out proper output of work is 55 hours. Any additional hour, you're really not being creative and you're actually burning the candles on both ends for the, for the next week. Now, granted, as I'm saying this, there is caveats, just like in anything, let's, let's compare it like to a marathon, right? An entrepreneur is a marathon. You have to think long distance. Within that marathon, there's moments you're going to be running slower and there's going to be moments that you are going to be sprinting. So it's kind of seasonal. So the example of that person that potentially you're saying worked a hundred and some hours in two weeks, potentially just launched a new product. He started something new that he needed to be there mm -hmm. on that level. But if he consistently holds that, it's physically impossible unless he's a robot. And I can legit break down the biochemistry of your brain and your body of when you're working so much and not taking care of the other elements of your life, you're just not going to succeed. Because the yeah. reality is you could 100% succeed and have that perfect body, family life, connection, abundance, and still grow your business to that next level. And that's what we really develop at Dead End Enterprises. So like whenever you talk to someone who is like running themselves ragged, is it, is it, cause a lot of my conversations with people is it's hard for them to let go. Like, it's kind of like the George Costanza, um, like it feels good to be busy, I guess. And so like, it's like, you know, and it's, and it's like you said too, this hustle culture that, you know, social media, people are really quick to like put on like the badge of, you know, yeah, another 80 hour week, like I'm grinding away. Like, how have you found yourself immersed in this conversation of help, helping people kind of rewire or rethink about their work life? Okay. I love that we're talking about this. And I love the fact that you just highlight George Constanza really funny over there. <laughs> so, so in regards to this, people think that when they're busy, they're getting things done. But there's a difference between being productive and being actually busy. Yeah. And they make those twos up. It's two distinctive things. So there's one thing that I work with with my executive CEO clientele 
And w- one example, actually, somebody that uh, I won't name his name, but a top end client for mine that he works in a company that he's the CEO and has over like 200 employees. And he came to me exactly for that situation. And what I taught him is how to be more effective through concepts like the flow concept. Flow was a concept that was put together by the uh, researchers Mihalic and Sen Mihaly. And essentially, what it shows is that when you're in a state of flow, you're so much more efficient, you're so much more productive, you're so much more creative, and you don't have that inner negative voice telling you, oh my God, am I good enough? So on and so forth. It's usually compared to professional athletes when they say, oh my God, I was in the zone. Like a Kobe yeah. Bryant, God rest his soul. He's like, I can't miss anything and puts yeah. up 84 points the against hot my Toronto Raptors, unfortunately. <laughs> but anyways, that's being in a flow. But that flow state is not only for it's not only for athletes. It yeah. does work for entrepreneurs. And here's the kicker, uh, Blake: if somebody is in a state of flow, they are 500 percent more effective than somebody that is not. Let me repeat that: if somebody is in flow, they are 500 percent more effective than somebody that's not. So imagine, Blake, you come in Monday and you're in flow the whole day. You could take off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Sunday. And still be at the same level as somebody that's not in flow that worked all those days. Yeah, that's the difference between being intentional and going about doing the right steps. Then would be like, hey, the next question is probably going to be, hey, Chris, how do I get in a state of flow? Then yeah. we could unpack that. It's a I, whole I, process. I'm assuming in it's the cup of coffee you drink in the morning. I mean, what what what's the secret here to to locking into your flow state? Okay. So it's so funny you actually mentioned coffee. Um, listen, I as you're going to kind of get to know me in this next few minutes on the podcast. I am a Greek of um, I am a geek of brain science, and coffee is actually something that could help you get in a state of flow. But let me highlight this: coffee is the second most abused substance in the world. Second mm. most abused, caffeine. Okay. Yeah. Now here's the thing: caffeine can be used to have that kick in a positive way, but to do so, you have to have it at a specific time within the day. So it's not right after you wake up. It's usually three to five hours after you wake up, and you have to have anywhere between. 150 to 200 milligrams of coffee, which means a cup, a cup and a half, maybe two cups, not more than that. Why? Because if you take too much, it's going to pick you up, but then the crash is going to be as, as, as predominant, if not more. Mm-hmm. If you have just that little boost in itself, it's going to help you get into that state of flow. So that's just one example over here. But more than that is really framing yourself to really do long periods of time of one specific work. Okay. This is something that there's a misconception once again of like multitasking. And as an entrepreneur, oh my God, I have to do so many things at the same time and so on and so forth. But if you look at it, like multitasking is actually a computer derived term. Why is it computer derived? Because computers have more than one processor, dual processors and more. Blake, as you and me as human beings and everybody that's listening to this as homo sapiens, we have one processor and that's our brain. Right. So if you want it to be as efficient as possible, you want to do one work at a time. And as you're doing that, the resources that your brain is utilizing is so much more pointed towards the task in hand. So one way that I go about that, like I said, being the CEO of my business, being a professional speaker and a coach, I have specific days for each task. Like Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm just doing coaching. My mm-hmm. employees don't contact me until, until my coaching is done. I don't create content for my YouTube channel. I'm not practicing my speech, so on and so forth. Wednesday mornings, I'm preparing content. Wednesday afternoon, I'm doing my group coaching. Thursdays is usually filled up with meetings or podcast interviews, such as this uh, this one. And Friday, about the same thing. And everything that I haven't done within the week, 
all my CEO work, if I need to touch base with X, Y, and Z, and so on and so forth. So that's just one example over there of how to go about it. There's so many more things. There's like legit 10 different elements to really look at to how to get in a state of flow, but that's one huge element that you could utilize. Yeah. I mean, I like what you're talking about here of, of creating really structure around the potential anarchy. I mean, as an entrepreneur, there's so many things as a business owner, fires that are popping up constantly. And so being intentional around that schedule, I think is really important. When you talk to entrepreneurs, uh, I know sometimes this conversation comes up of people who they enjoy entrepreneurship or they enjoy like the creative side of running their business. Like maybe they got out of the corporate life. And so um, it's like, you know, the corporate world was kind of a drag. You know, now I'm kind of my own boss. I can kind of do what I want, create what I want, what have you. And then you start talking about schedules. And like, you know, like you mentioned, Tuesday, like for me, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are always my podcast days and it's always in the afternoon. And I just know that that's the case. But when I talk to certain business owners and we start talking about these same kinds of scheduling structures, a lot of the pushback I get is, man, that's why I got out of the corporate world. That's why I got out of working for someone because I, I didn't want the, there to be you know, kind of a rigidity there. How do you help people keep like the entrepreneurship flair, but also actually, you know, run a business, <laughs> like have some of these systems in place? Great question. And here's what it is. I'm going to be very straightforward and, and blank about this. If any entrepreneur says, oh, I love the corporate world because I want to go without a structure or a system or processes in place, they're just not entrepreneurs. They're going to mm. fail. It's just really what it comes down to. And sorry to be so point blank at it. Now, let me just put a caveat. It doesn't mean that you, if you're not a structured person, you cannot succeed as an entrepreneur because you could go with the ebbs and flow. But right. if you're looking at entrepreneurship as, oh, you know what? I had a job and before I had to walk in at this time and now was I need to leave at this time. Now as an entrepreneur, I don't want to do that. You're not going to succeed. You have to have a little aspect of like, hey, I have to walk into the office at X amount of time, leave at X amount of time. Now you as the boss, you can leave whenever you want. You could come in whenever you want, if it makes sense with the workload that you've done. But if somebody's not willing to put in that effort and that work, then they're just approaching it wrong. Now, that being said, here's the thing that people think when it comes to discipline and scheduling. They think discipline and scheduling takes from somebody. Oh my God, you're making me wake up in the morning. Oh my God, you're making me do this, do this, do that. But the reality is, Discipline and scheduling gives more than anything else because the more you're structured within your schedule, the more you'll have free time. Like yeah. I just mentioned, I worked my face off. I used to work those 80, 100 hour weeks. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm hitting a wall. Like I'm like spiritually hitting a wall and I'm going to have a burnout. Then when I was able to structure and put proper systems and processes, when I got my coach, when I saw what I needed to do, now I work 55 hours a week. I am more efficient, more productive, more loving, more connected, more spiritual, more abundant, the best shape I've ever been because I've done that transition. So it's mm -hmm. really because I have that schedule, I'm so intentional about when I'm doing something, I'm amazing at that moment. Then it opens up more time for me to be with, with the kids, mm -hmm. with uh, parents, with X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Now, Chris, how did you, like, what's your story here? How did you get into this stuff? Because I, I read a little bit about your bio. I think I read that you were diagnosed with dyslexia at the age of eight. I'd love yeah. to get kind of the crash course on okay. everything that, that built you into the man you are now, the awesome stuff that you're doing. Help okay. us peek behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> thank you for that, Blake. I'm going to go on a little rant here just to kind of give you guys that explanation of how this happened. So like you mentioned, at eight years old, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. And uh, 
my parents came told me at eight years old that I'm going to leave the school that I was in, in the middle of the school year and going to a specialized school that was called Vanguard in the greater region of Montreal, where I'm at right now. And it was a school that was going to help me with my learning disability. Now, eight years old, all you hear is that I'm losing my friends and I'm going to a special school. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, what the heck? Right. Right. Now, as I get into that school, Blake, I realize that I'm not alone. There's like hundreds of kids like me that have learning disabilities from dyslexia, dysgraphia, ADHD, hyperactivity, and all that. So then I started realizing, oh, wait a minute, I'm not alone. Not only that, I started learning the proper tools and methodologies that I needed to learn to succeed and learn because the school gave me that with the special teachers and all that. Now, granted, I'm going to give you kind of the the arc of how I went about becoming a speaker and where my journey came and how I got into this personal development and so on. So at the end of the school, uh, like high school, we were in sec four, sec five, just like everybody that's around that grade, you have to look at what you're going to do next. Like what career are you going to go into? The first thing that came to mind, Blake, is I want to be a lawyer. I like wearing nice suits. I like talking. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, this could be a good career, right? And then as I was researching that career, I realized like 85% of the job is reading and writing. And for people who don't know dyslexia, it's a learning disability that has to do with reading and writing. So it's really difficult for people with dyslexia to read or write. So I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm dyslexic. So I'm like, let me look for a job that doesn't have a lot of reading and writing or no reading and writing. So what I found was to be a fireman. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to be serving the community, the boys, the fire trucks, the adrenaline. Let's go. So I started going into that started succeeding, going into the academy, got all my degrees and started working into that field at Pratt & Whitney Canada, which I was becoming an industrial fireman there. As I was working there, Blake, I realized that this wasn't my calling. For whatever reason, I knew that I was meant to be an entrepreneur and I was repressing it, calling it out of practicality because I had the fear of reading. Right. So much so that I would rather run into a building that's literally on fire instead of reading, right? Just that analogy is kind of crazy <laughs> just to think about it. And it's sure. so that's a whole other story of like fear. Now, at that point, I remember when the teacher used to come into the classroom and say, hey, kids, put yourself in teams. Even before she finished award three, I had my head up and I was looking for who reads the best, who writes the best. Let me put a team together. Let me delegate the work. And then we get all the same grade. That's delegation one-on-one entrepreneurship. Yeah. I remember in college, Blake, when I was failing, I used to go see the professor and I used to negotiate my grade up to be like, oh no, that's not what I meant in the, in the exam. This is what I meant. And then I used to negotiate my grade up. Negotiation one-on-one. So all these attributes that I had as an entrepreneur that was developing because I had no choice to succeed in the education system that I was given was getting refined. So then I decided to go into brokerage to be a real estate broker. This is my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Started going into that. And for all the entrepreneurs here, as you guys know, when you start a new business, it takes a little while for it to really start up. And especially in the brokerage world, it, there's a lot of overhead. It took me a year and a half before it really started succeeding. But then I started succeeding like quite well. Like I was in my early 20s, whatever success in air quotes is from the society, like the nice car, the condo, the money, I had it all. And then one day, my speech therapist that used to follow me in high school called me up to ask me a question about real estate. After a few minutes of talking, she's like, Chris, how's it going with you? And I went on a rant. Like, Blake, you're probably noticing and your listeners and viewers as well. I could definitely go on some rants. I'm like, oh my God, it's going great. I'm succeeding, <laughs> so on and so forth. After a few minutes, she's like, Chris, I'm the keynote speaker at this event put together by the Learning Disability Institute of Quebec. I would love for you to come and talk about how you are a successful dyslexic entrepreneur. I'm like, absolutely, I would love that. Blake, that same evening, she writes me an email in the subject in big capitals. It's written, Chris, I don't think you should do this speech because there's still a lot of people that have a negative misconception of what learning disabilities are. 
and you might lose some potential clients. Now, granted, I knew that she was coming from a place of love and she was coming from a place of protection, but I wrote back to her and I'm like, listen, I'm going to call you Monday to let you know why I think I should do this speech. Monday rules, I want to give her a call. And I'm like, Bridget, listen, if I don't do the speech, I'm not helping the kids that are on the school benches right now. I'm not helping the next generation. I'm not helping my future kids because this is something hereditary. I would be fake. I'm not fake. I need to do the speech. Furthermore, if I ever lose clients because of uh, because I'm dyslexic, there aren't clients that I want to work with. And she's like, oh my God, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I just want it to come from you. So then I asked, I'm like, hey, how many people are going to be at this event? She's like, about 200. Now, granted, like, I'd never done a speech in my life. Okay, this is in 2017. Never done a speech, none of that. Brother, I get at the day of the event. I got ready for it. Like I didn't know necessarily what I was walking into, but I still got ready for it. Open the door, look left and right, and there isn't 200 people. It's more like a thousand people. Now at this point, my heart is beating to my chest. I am sweating bullets. I'm like, what the F did I get myself into here? I am sitting down and I'm like, professor after professor is going on stage and telling me like all these like great speeches and so on. And then the moment comes, they're like, Chris, can you please come on stage and tell us your story? And the best way that I could describe it is that I had this divine moment, this like pure connection of like, this was my purpose. Like it was an almost an out-of-body experience. During that speech, like people stand up, they were clapping, people were crying. After the speech, I was like a lineup of like 30 minutes of people kind of like shaking my hand. And in that audience was filled of teachers, principals the Ministry of Education of Quebec, as well as the local newspapers. And they all wanted to do stuff with me. I got an article written about me, started doing a work with the Ministry of Education of like how to change the reform of the education system of Quebec in Canada, and started getting invited to go speak in classes. And then from that moment on, I knew that this is what I have to do for the rest of my life. And I shifted everything that I was doing. Everybody thought I was crazy because I'd Young, successful dude in brokerage, and then completely shifting towards going into coaching and speaking, which is a very like different industry, which not a lot of people know about. So that's how that process ended up me getting to the point that I got into when it comes to a speaker. And the personal development side of that has always been there the second I started going into entrepreneurship. And then I got to a point that I knew so much that I had to share with others, which is what I'm doing on stage and as a coach. Was this like an overnight thing where you were like, like you did the speech, it obviously blew up. I mean, how, how fast after this were you started, did the thought start becoming, maybe I should do this full time. Cause like I said, you, okay. like you already mentioned, you already had the momentum there. You had the success there. Yeah. So like, let's break that down a little bit. Okay. So I love that. So here's the thing. Is it overnight? No, I don't believe in anything overnight. Now, as we're going to explain it, it does seem like overnight, but this is processes that which has been working like throughout the, my whole life and existence, right? Now, how did that happen? Just two weeks before going on that stage, I'd hired actually my first coach, which I still work with him today. And he's my business partner in so many great things. His name is Trevor McGregor, superstar. Shout out to him. Now, I had hired him for him to make me a high-performing real estate broker, even more than what it was. I gave this speech, and the speech was actually in French because we're in Quebec, and that particular association was a French one. And my coach is actually from Vancouver, so the, the west side of Canada, and he doesn't speak French, he only speaks English. That speech was on YouTube, and he watched the whole thing. After watching that, and it was in French, like I said, doesn't speak a lick of French. He told me, Chris, he's like, you hired me to make you a top-end broker, peak performing broker, even more than what you are now. But he's like, that's not what we're going to do. He's like, you're meant to be one of the greatest speakers of our modern time. That's what we're going to make you do. And I'm like, 
uh, Trevor, what do you mean? Can I even make a life out of this? Can we make a living? I had no idea yeah. how much to get paid. I'm sure. like, exactly. That's my first thing. I'm like, is yeah. this a job? Like, is this a thing? Sure. And then from that moment on, we just started putting the plan in place to switch it. And I did it quite quick because like I said, once I went on that stage the first time and felt what I felt, I knew that this was my life calling. Like this is what I needed to do. It was so much more powerful than me. And if I repressed it anymore, I wouldn't be serving our creator, the universe and so on and so forth in my small way in that regard. So that's the way it kind of unpacked and just went fireball after that. It's pretty incredible. And it, it makes you think about how so often people, I think my smoke alarm just went off, um, how often people get into entrepreneurship, not because they like, quote, like love entrepreneurship, but because like they have a natural gifting or skill set that evolves into like this, this job they never expected to do. That's pretty similar to your story. And it's something that I, I hear again and again. Um, even people who are like, yeah, I didn't even know this was a job. I didn't even know you could get paid doing this. So it's pretty exciting. Honestly, I ask myself that every single day. I'm like, I don't understand how I get paid to doing what I do because I like thoroughly love it. Now, granted, like any any job, there's ups and downs and lefts and rights, but the core of it in itself is a true blessing. And like you said, when, once you follow your true passion and kind of let life guide you in that way, you do find those moments. And that's why you've probably interviewed so many people on your great podcast in that regards that are telling you what you just said. So whenever you're you're like bringing it back to present day, you know you're working with a handful of customers, a handful of clients. Um, I, I mean, do you still find yourself? I, I guess what what breaks up the? Um, it's not fair to say like the repetitiveness of it, but like, do you find yourself having like to create? Find yourself having to create energy in someone, or like create motivation or belief, or like walk me through that process. Like, how do you how do you help someone? see the image of who they're they're supposed to be and then actually walk that through without you yourself like exhaustively like trying to will them into okay. you know being their cheerleader great question great question first and foremost i realized in the beginning of my career in this personal development world i cannot will to anybody to do anything listen i'm a speaker i'm a coach i think i influence people i motivate people but the only person i really have control of is myself and that's how i go about it if I lead by example, my vibration, and my frequency will go up so high that naturally it will help other people go up. So first and foremost, I cannot force anybody to do something they don't want. That's the first thing. Usually when they come to me, it's because they've already had that thought process and are learning and are open to the idea of going to that next level and are searching for my services, right? That's the, that's the thing in that regards. And there's a an, there's an saying as well, you know, like the the teacher will appear when the student is ready. When the student is not ready, I don't care who you are. You could like take the top, like let's say Tony Robbins of this world and put somebody in front of them. If the person in front of them is not ready, he can give the best content in the world, but it could go in one ear and go out the other, not bring any value there, right? So first and foremost, the person has to be ready. Once they're there, how do you go about helping them? It's not through motivating them or giving them energy. It's about asking the right questions and making them answer those questions and going through that process. And more than anything, which people have a hard time understanding this, it's not an outside-in process. It's an inside-out process. The answers are all within already. It's not about what's happening outside. It's what can we fix within you that's going to make you level up as an individual, make you level up your frequency and vibratory rate that's going to attract everything you need with afterwards putting the proper systems and processes in place within your life and business. Do you ever have people you talk to who like 
they're like, Chris, I'm ready. Like, I want to do this. And then you start to work with them and you realize, I mean, assuming I'm sure you have the most amazing customers, but I just think of like the entrepreneur who's um, kind of a wantrepreneur, like they're hopeful. But then when it comes to like the actual work, they're like, "Eh." you know, it's like the person who commits to something. And then two weeks later, they like disappear. Right. So like, how do you, how do you weed out and validate the people who are like, no, Chris, like I meet, like I'm ready for this. I want to do this. It's coming out of me versus the person who says all those right things, but you know, ultimately isn't really willing to move forward. Okay. I love that question. Now here's the thing. I track two types of people. I track, I track, like you said, somebody that is committed to their success, hell or high water, you can do everything to, to, to make that happen. And those are people that I love working with and get the best results from. And then I attract certain tire kickers, like you said, the entrepreneurs. Now, I'm blessed, brother, to be in a position within my career and life that not only my clients have a choice to work with me, but I choose the clients that I want to work with. So I go through a very solid vetting process before doing anything executive with them. So that vetting process mostly is to validate exactly that. Are you willing to put in the work? Because it's not an overnight thing. Like You have to be resourceful because you know this is going to take some time. This is going to take some effort. This is going to take an investment on your part. And I want to see there's a partner in front of me, my tango partner in this regards, is he going to be willing to dance a dance with me? Because if he's not, you can't dance by yourself. So that's the way I kind of go about it. And so far, Honestly, I'm batting a thousand and that's not showing like, oh my God, I'm the best and all that. No, it's because when I realize the person in front of me is a tire kicker, I just don't work with them. And they don't work with me either because they're tire kickers. These are people that are going to like get into analysis paralysis, think about this. Oh, should I do it? Should I not do it? And the opportunities just pass. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the way I kind of go about it. And it is very clear that my services is not for everybody. It's a very distinctive type of people that are already high achievers and want to go to that next level. Let me point this way. One analogy I give to my uh, prospective clients. I do not work with Honda Civics that want to become Ferraris. I work with Ferraris that want to become F1s. That's my expertise. There are people that do that. Like, hey, we're all Honda Civics and we all got to that Ferrari. But at the position that I'm serving, it's people that are already top-end entrepreneurs that are making money. But then they became, oh my God, I started being a CEO, started hiring people. How do I delegate? How do I communicate? How do I bring this to the next level? Maybe they're in the six digits. They want to go to seven, eight, nine digits. That's where I come into play and kind of help them have certain distinctions to go to that next level, but not only in their business life, but in their personal life, because it's so correlated. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Dedian Enterprises is doing really well. Um, early on, what kept you patient? Like when you were talking to that potential customer and it was like, oh man, I really need a sale. I really need to get some momentum here, yeah. but I just don't know if this person, I don't know if they're a tire kicker or if they're a, you know, or you're, you're sensing that they're yeah. a tire kicker. What's kept you patient? Okay. Great question. You know, that analogy when people say fake it until you make it. I like to have a little twist on that. And instead of faking it, it's faith it until you make it. So I have faith. Honestly, that's the only thing that makes, it's the only reason why I've continued as an entrepreneur because every single listener here that is an entrepreneur knows that there's ups and downs right. and it becomes so tough. But the only reason you go through those down periods is if you truly believe in what you're doing and you're passionate about it. That's the only yep. reason. If you're doing it for the money, you're just going to quit at a certain point. It's just, it's too tough. It just doesn't make sense what you go through. And then as you're able to have passion towards it, then you learn the proper methodology and processes to not be too excited when the highs are high and not to be too down when the lows are lows and try to keep that equilibrium well, congratulating yourself when you win 
and while learning from your mistakes, but there is that equilibrium. So that's the way I approach it, and that's the way that I teach upon my executive clientele. It's great advice. I love it, man. Faith until you make it. Uh, Chris, we're out yeah. of time today. What's for people who are listening who are like, man, I got to follow this guy, maybe even work with this guy. What's the best route for them to get in touch? So, uh, Blake, I really appreciate that. And it was a real fun conversation here. So, definitely, if you want to reach out to me, you could go check out all my social medias. Uh, the, the ones that I'm the most on would have to be my YouTube channel. I have a lot of like great content there for entrepreneurs. So, go on YouTube slash Christopher Didian, my Instagram, Christopher Didian, and LinkedIn as well. I'm on all the social, but those three are the main ones. And if you are somebody that wants to work with me, there's something that I'm going to offer for Blake, for you and your listeners over here. If you are somebody that is committed to really go to that next level, I'm offering a free 30-minute complimentary coaching call slash discovery call to really come with a certain problem, certain thing that you're working on, and we're going to work on it together in that 30 minutes and hit it out of the ballpark. And you're going to find that solution within those 30 minutes or at least be on the proper track to find that solution. Now, let me highlight here. Like I said, I am not looking for tire kickers. If you're not somebody that's committed to your success, <laughs> don't, don't contact me. If you're interested, contact me. My team will get back to you. You could go on my website at ChristopherDedan.com. There's a coaching section there. There's all my services. You could fill it up. DM me. My team will set that up with you. And we'll have a 30-minute, just amazing conversation to see where you're at, where you want to go, and how we could get you there in that regards. Yeah. If you are a tire kicker, just don't say you came via my show. Um, <laughs> say you found it on someone else's. No, brother. So. I'm, 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 sure, I'm sure the people that are listening to your show, bro, they're not tire kickers. But if there's one that squeaks in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good to know. Well, Chris, it's been great talking today. I so appreciate you, man. And I will uh, be sure to link all those relevant links down in the episode description below. Thank you, man, for joining us today. Thank you, Blake. Appreciate it. Christopher Dedian on the show today. You can find out more at ChristopherDedian.com or DedianEnterprises.com. Both of those are going to be in the, the description below, as well as a link to his podcast, The Peak Performance, excuse me, The Peak Performance Greatness Show. You can find that on literally any podcast platform. But again, I'll put a link down in the episode description below. And hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, you enjoyed this episode, what the heck are you waiting on? Click the subscribe button, click the follow button so you can keep getting good advice wherever you are in your business. And hey, if you love the podcast, you want to support the podcast, you can check out our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash good advice for as little as the price of a cup of coffee. You can support this amazing podcast and all the incredible guests like Christopher joining us here today. Hey, I so appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And that's today's good advice. We'll catch you later.